to another episode of In It Together. Uh, so a column went out this week called Free Speech for All, Even Racists and Transphobes, uh, written by Addison Cowling, and we have some hard thoughts on it. I actually encountered this by accident because I'm relatively offline now. Brent, I was on Facebook looking for an address for somewhere, and I happened to come across this and see your comments, or else I would have never seen this. Because I don't, um, and this angers a lot of people in this office especially, I don't really read the news unless it's specifically for this or another podcast. Uh, so in his column, Addison, actually, can you kind of break it down? Because I think you understand it better than I do. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, before we get going, I don't want people to think that I'm responding to you know Addison's writing out of like this uh, moral outrage, and I'm like just so you know, uh, taken back by how, you know, racist his language, you know, whatever. I, I'm not, that. that's not the point of this. This is actually a bit more about the structure of CM Life, the editing standards of CM Life, and how I feel like we kind of are setting ourselves up for a problematic debate by publishing things like this. Mm -hmm. So Addison's uh, opinion piece is a very kind of, we've all heard it, you know, hate speech is protected by free speech. I mean, if you've gone on to, like, any YouTube comment section... Well, you're, can you lay out the scenario that Addison talks saying. about? He's talking about there were, you know, we've had, like, hate... You could probably constitute them as hate crimes on campus. It's definitely harassment and targeted At the very, very least, and that's being, like, super non-generous. Like, you know, we had the fuck you monkey black horse written on the, the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. We had the um, transy RA. Uh, written on people's... Doors, yeah. right? Um, that was actually written on a on another whiteboard. Okay. Um, so we've had a couple events where clearly language has been used in a weaponized way to harass or demean people from you know what we could say are marginalized communities. And Addison is trying to make the point that you know while that speech you know it may be bad or wrong to some people, it's protected. And the college shouldn't try to silence uh, people trying to, I guess, express that opinion. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's very kind of murky. And the reason why I, I was a little bit kind of confused by it, I was more so just, my, my big question was, why was this published? That was just my first big question, because it's not that like a conservative opinion, I think, is just unpublishable by principle. You know, I'm, I'm very much so not conservative, mm -hmm. but I don't like I'm, I'm also like a pretty hardcore free speech person. Like I kind of have to be. Yeah. So because I, I know that on the other end, I wouldn't want, you know, my political writings, you know, no matter where they stand to not be able to reach people in like an actual free speech manner, which mm -hmm. this isn't. But we'll, we'll get to that yeah. later. So on top of that, I think there are a lot of ways where Addison's column is actually bad. Um, and I, I told you I wanted to see the original draft because the editor and our um, advisor both did a lot of over a month, they said, of editing on this. Um, and it seems Edison's takeaway was that he, A, really likes whiteboards on doors and he wants them to remain there. Or B, he likes that people can say these things and tell other people that they're racists. Yeah, that, that was the point I was trying to get around to. He, it, it was more so, um, if you don't want those things written, don't 
don't don't have a whiteboard up because I mean we're we're all of us college students and I mean obviously if I walk by a whiteboard I'm going to you know draw a penis on it because I'm 12 or mm-hmm. I'm going to you know draw the f word on it because I'm 12. Uh, I'm gonna write racist or transphobic shit because I'm 12 I guess. But uh, and he his big like line that got a lot of people irritated was you know everybody needs to get thicker skin mm-hmm. which everybody. Everybody doesn't. He he means, you know, the people affected need yeah, to get thicker skin. He's excluding skin. himself. He's like, I have thicker skin. You right. Need to but get he can't skin. he can't say black people and you know trans people need to get thicker skin. So he'll say everybody. You know, mm-hmm. sure, white people need to get thicker skin too, I guess. But um, and it's very implied that the the this was written with almost like a vendetta to it. Mm-hmm. Like that you've heard of the term vendetta journalism. Yeah. This to me was this kid on campus being just so irritated by what he sees as anti-white content. I mean, clearly, because he made points, he says, there's a poster in Powers Hall that reads, quote, Nazis have no place here, unquote. However, it is unlikely that one can say or write the same things about a black person or Jewish person or any group that is popular to sympathize with without receiving a certain amount of punishment. The same concept applies when the university protects adversarial speech towards straight white men, but not the same speech towards a pansexual black trans woman. Speech, all right, yeah, yeah, you kind of get it. Bad now that, that that to me that line about a black you know pansexual trans woman, that's why he wrote this mm-hmm. because that person's existence is so irritating to him that he needs to conjure up you know, 1,200 words worth of bullshit. I, I think it's more of... arguments to try to, you know, paint this as, well, I, I just really care about free speech, no matter who's who's saying it. And he has to conjure up all of this just minutia to, to let you know, hey, I don't hate black people. I don't hate anybody. You know, we just all need to get thicker skin. And again, why do... Like, why did we publish this? We didn't have to. Yeah, especially, like, how did that paragraph make it through editing like that's so nonsensical and some of the other comparisons he makes where he references um court cases that don't really relate to this situation at all i think the closest comparison that we can make to this is like somebody spray painting a swastika on a jewish person's garage door like that happened and i think those that's one of the more similar situations that can be compared to this because it is harassment it is targeting a minority and writing something hateful on their door and that is not free speech no yeah because like a lot of the cases he brought up you know he was talking about you know his big thesis is you know offensive speech is like protected and sure but like obscene language and what we're seeing with like the fuck you black monkey whores those are two different things Mm -hmm. because there were court cases that you know i've learned about in media law where there was a high school student who gave a, a speech which, with a bunch of sexual innuendos in it. Mm-hmm. And the school had a face like this. They, they sued the kid for obscenity, and they had to have this big... It went to the Supreme Court about whether like that kind of language can be... or whether a school can ban obscene language on its premises. Mm-hmm. You know, That's not talking about weaponized racial language. No. That was just talking about... you know making dick jokes yeah and there's Those another two one totally different talks things. about a band um called the slants who was sued for offensive language and i don't understand like why he chose the court cases he did because i think there are a lot better ones that he could have that would have helped his point and although i don't agree with it 
Um, I think he poorly articulates what he wants to say in this article, and I think a lot of these things are misguided and just blatantly incorrect. Um, and and one, one more thing I, I want to say. Like, it's not that it's a conservative opinion. No. The problem is that it's just not a good it, It's not. It's a, a bad opinion. I, it, in, in a way, yeah, but it's it's that, you know, it's badly written. It's badly argued. And I, I'd argue from its core concept, it's a badly thought out premise. Absolutely. To make the argument. And I mean, the, the whole thing about, you know, uh, if you really walk by a poster board in Powers Hall that says Nazis have no place here and you jump to, well, I, I bet if you know we said no black people here, they'd have a problem. I, I don't think we should edu- we should allow you a journalistic platform. Yeah, because we should in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, I, I'm sorry, but we, we have like a, a standard of, for what we want to publish. Mm-hmm. And that's not a free speech issue. Yeah. So let's talk now about cm life publishing this and how cm life has said and our editor-in-chief emma has said that publishing columns like this is important for free speech because i think me and you both agree that cm life not publishing this column would not have infringed on addison's free speech it wouldn't have silenced addison and i'll read a direct quote from a column that our editor-in-chief put out where she says so you tell me when should i tell a fellow student that their opinion is unpublishable and take that voice away. You tell me where you think free speech ends and should be silenced. Emma, you're not taking anyone's voice away by telling them you're not going to publish a guest opinion piece. Because, and I'm going to tell you why, hypothetically, if Addison came to us, we told him no. Addison, if you're, if you're listening, here's what, you, here's what you could have done. Could have gone to YouTube, said verbatim what you wanted to say in your first draft your first draft that you brought forward addison please email me a first draft um at agost one jc at cmitch.edu you could have gone to youtube you could have gone to facebook and posted the opinion i doubt it would have gotten taken down and even better addison you could go to washington state i'm willing to bet you could go to the 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 capital you could you could type out your entire article on a t-shirt or a big poster board, wear it on your front and back, and yell out to the masses walking by your opinion. And you know what? I don't think the government's going to give you a hard time. You could do that on campus. You could do that on campus, Pastor Rick style. And you know what? You probably would have reached more people. You probably would have gotten the same response. But mm-hmm. um, So, Emma, the problem is that we have this idea that by not allowing this, we are somehow preventing speech and we're not Mm -hmm. because this is not a bastion to give anyone who wants free speech, free speech because they already have free speech. They have it until it's infringed upon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like the idea that if we said no, you know, like when, when do I tell someone no, you tell someone no, when you think that the argument that they're bringing forward doesn't even push the conversation forward. Yeah. Like, this, this whole argument of his, it's so redundant and generic. It's, Everyone's heard it before. Absolutely. It only serves to just, like, and, and this whole, oh, well, we need the free exchange of ideas. The free exchange of ideas exists without CM life. It already yeah. exists. You don't need to be that provision for it. Mm-hmm. People have that. 
People have it in class every day where they exchange ideas. They do it on Twitter. They do it on Facebook. They do it at parties. They don't need, you know, the soapbox of CM life, you know, the savior complex of CM life to come swoop in, save the day and give students free speech because they already have it. And Addison would have still had it had we not published this absolutely asinine, insulting piece. And I, we shouldn't wonder why people have a, a negative opinion of us on campus. Sure, yeah. there, there are people you know, in the more journalistic realms who have a positive opinion, sure. But what about the people here? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't just, we can't say, well, the people that we wanna have like us, read us, like us. No, that, that, that's not journalism. Journalism is about serving the public, serving the people that you don't wanna have like you. Yeah. you, you we gotta serve those people, and this piece doesn't serve those people. It serves Addison, definitely, but it doesn't serve the people that this, the people on this campus who have been affected by that weaponized harassing speech mm-hmm. that Addison thinks should be protected and that he'd probably want to express if he really had the freedom. Because like when I read this piece, this just like, and I read that you know the pansexual black person, it's just it's it's teething with animosity. Yeah, just teething with it. And if Not I were an so editor, subtle. if I were an editor. And I read that, I would sit down and talk to him for hours, not about where to put a comma, not how to, I would talk to him, Addison, like, I'm not, I'm not here to change your mind or anything, but what are you really trying to get across here? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to, you know what, this is, this is a facade for something else you really, you really want to get across. Yeah. What is that? And if we can't have that conversation, maybe we shouldn't be editors. If we can't have that conversation, maybe we shouldn't even have guest opinion pieces. Mm-hmm. And... How are we going to, we're going to talk about this, how are we going to delete the Ant- the Antonio Brown thing let's, and then keep this up and then argue the about, you know, free speech? For those of you who don't know, um, Dylan Goetz, Gotts, I don't know how to say his Getz. last name, um, gets put out a column when Antonio Brown spent $100,000 donating benches to CMU. Uh, Dylan's argument and what was probably correct, Dylan, Dylan laid out this column saying Antonio Brown probably had in- ulterior motives for doing this donation because he's never done anything for CMU since he's graduated and he's in a position right now where he looks really bad public relations wise. So Dylan's column was probably correct. And if you don't think Antonio Brown was doing it for PR reasons, please come talk to me because I will try and understand the Kool-Aid you're drinking. Um, This isn't a sports podcast, so we'll skip over that. But that column was deleted and Emma put out something saying, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do better. We're we'll sorry, do better. We'll do better. But like ev- disregarding the fact that Dylan's column was probably correct and it's the most likely scenario, I don't understand how you delete that well-thought-out column. By, with, a, by a reporter by a, that by works for By an editor us. here. Yeah, by an editor here. now, yeah. I don't understand how you delete that one that's based in fact, that has historical, like, factual evidence for it, and current evidence for it, I don't understand how that column gets deleted and this one goes through a month of editing and then goes up and, and then now we're dealing with this backlash. And it's because the way that the, the Antonio Brown thing made the paper look, you know, I guess in, in the paper's eyes is worse than the way that this Addison thing looks because mm-hmm. in the paper's eyes, it's, oh, well, we're defending that free speech and that free exchange of ideas. And it's just, it's like peak liberal hours who's up yeah you know uh 
I don't know, like turn on the Colbert Report if you if you if you're up. <laughs> turn up late night with Stephen Colbert and uh, um, like it's 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 asinine. It's straight up just insulting. And again, again, listen to the people. Like I can go on our Facebook right now, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of comments of people saying there's 76 i believe all right 76 there's a lot of comments saying you know just too many comments just asking the obvious question why was this published you know it just doesn't make sense and the idea that you know oh well if we had um not published addison's piece you know and uh had he gone around and told people oh well cm life didn't publish what i wanted to publish they don't support everyone's ideas uh that controversy of oh well cm life uh, only publishes you know quote unquote liberal pieces that's an opinion people have of every newspaper no matter what they publish no matter what they publish and there's been people in the comments calling out cm life saying this is cm life trying to like appeal to the people who don't like them and right. that's absolutely what we did when we put out addison's column because i heard people in this office talk about wanting to get columns from people we don't normally get columns from and to get columns from people who feel that CM Life doesn't represent them. And there's not anything wrong with that. But, but this isn't the piece to do it yeah, with. But specifically putting out this column be, to try and appeal to people who otherwise don't like CM Life is, I think, a poor editorial choice. And I'm not an editor and I don't want to be an editor. I have no aspiration to be CM Life's editor-in-chief at all. I don't want that job. But I think that's the wrong decision. Well, so who who do you think are the people that don't like CM Life, and why do you think they don't like CM Life? The people who they don't dislike CM Life because they don't know the difference between an opinion piece and a column and an editorial. That's not the reason. The reason why uh, students that aren't white dislike CM Life is because when they do hear about CM Life, the things that get big traction all over campus are this. Mm -hmm. They're pieces like this. Or there are pieces uh, about how Christianity is under attack. You know, a piece by, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, that, that piece that CM Life published about CM Life, uh, Christianity is under attack. Yeah. You know, then then we publish things like that, which then we have a, another uh, reporter for us, Rob Lindsay, write a, a response to, which I thought was great. Uh, his uh, piece about LG, LGBTQ people and Christians are not enemies. I, go, go read that. That's a really good piece. But... Uh, the, the original piece, it's like, we can have opinions that we may not agree with in the paper, but they don't need to be, like, of a, of a, a sixth grader YouTube comment tier. Yeah, it, it basically is. It can is be of a higher standard. And I'm not trying to insult insult the kid and say he's stupid or anything. Or no, say he's me neither. Certainly not. It's that Addison, like, if, if, if you want to think the way that you want to think, by all means, you know what? You have the right to, yeah, the right regardless of CM Life thinks that you do or not. Uh, but you have the right to think any way you want to, and I implore you, uh, you know, pr like pr principle yourself. You know, kind of mm -hmm. challenge yourself, challenge your own ideas. And I feel like when people come into us that we disagree with, we don't challenge their ideas; we challenge their form. You know, with their writing style. And sometimes I think that we do need to kind of challenge the way that they're thinking in the same way. If I were an editor and I had a, it, like, let's say I had a liberal. You are an editor, Brent. I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm saying more like a journalistic okay. editor. I'm a multimedia editor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm an editor in air quotes in around here. If, so if I were a more like journalistic editor and I had a very liberal r reporter come to me 
with a piece about, you know, uh, let's say I had a liberal student come to me defending uh, Jesse Smollett. Remind me saying, who that is. Je- Jesse Smollett's that actor from Empire who okay. apparently yeah, 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 faked yeah, yeah. the hate crime. Got it. So let's say I had a left-leaning reporter come to me and be like, we shouldn't get mad at Jesse because, you know, it, it, it's racist for us to get mad at this guy who faked a hate crime and, you know, he's the victim here. If someone wrote that to me, they're writing something that maybe from an ideological perspective maybe has a semblance of similarity to where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't care, though, because I'd be like, this is a bad argument to yeah. make. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd challenge them on it. I'd sit with them for hours and be like, I'd talk to them about, like, why do you think this? Why do you think this? Well, it, like, you, we need to have that conversation. And that's not, you know, uh, like a, 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 this, this, like, cyclical censorship. That's not, you know, preventing the free exchange of ideas. That's making the free exchange of ideas better. Mm-hmm. It's making the free, free exchange of ideas not just, like, it's a filter. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's making them not just first grader opinions. You know, mm-hmm. we're in college. We can write things better than what Addison brought forward. You know, we can write things better than what we've been publishing. I think Addison can write things better than what the end product was. And like I, yeah, the, the big point is like we can just have a higher editorial standard. That's my big thing. That like and there's no reason that we can't uh challenge ourselves to do better. I mean, we talk about doing better. You know, we, we publish something every three months about, sorry, we'll do better, blah, blah, blah. And then we just keep making the same mistakes because we're under the, the this savior complex impression that we must give everyone the the, the, the gift of free speech. It's, it's, it's just straight up naivety, and I'm exhausted talking about it. It's also, sorry that you're exhausted. I will change topics in a minute. But I also see a lot of back padding with backpedaling. Back, no, no, no. Journalists patting themselves on the oh, back. Oh, okay. Like what uh, you commented on, Melissa Frick said, Central Michigan Life supports all free speech. But, like, do we? And what does that sentence mean? And should we? Like, I don't... We need to understand what what is the column section of our paper. Like, do we know? Who, who does it reflect? Does it reflect the university? Does it reflect the editorial staff? Does it reflect the people working at the paper? And I think we're having as... An organization, an identity <laughs> crisis, in what that needs to reflect, and it doesn't need to reflect uh, like white white bubble communities from Ferndale. Mm-hmm. That's not who we should be appealing to, because like that's kind of just the impression I feel. And every time I bump into people on this campus who aren't white, and they hear about CM Life, the first thing I hear is "fuck CM Life." They're racist. Or fuck CM Life, they published that thing I saw. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Those people now will see anything that we publish that could be great, it could be with tons of merit, that could be great for any community, you know, whatever. Those people will just not care now because it's been tainted by, you know, ourselves. We have no one to blame but ourselves. But if we can't blame ourselves and we continue to just clap back to people and tell people online, you know, well, you don't know the difference between an editorial and, 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 and an opinion piece, or you don't really understand journalism. It's journalists' job to make to to allow people to understand. It's right. their fault when people don't understand. Yeah, it's their fault. And when you have people questioning the existence of an opinion piece, then the opinion piece shouldn't exist. The point of an opinion piece is to say, wow, I'm happy I read that opinion. What, what, what an illuminating opinion. That's something I didn't expect to hear. An opinion piece shouldn't be something that you see 
every day. Like yeah. a, the, the most generic NPC idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, hate speech is free speech, and you know, both are protected. Yeah, we we both like finished civics in high school. Good job. That doesn't deserve an opinion piece. Yeah, when I when I sit down, well, I, I used to write columns for Scene Life. And when I sat down to do it, I always thought, what is the interesting, unique take I can have on this issue, and how can I convey that viewpoint to other people, or even, but not always, how can I convince them to share my viewpoint? And I don't think Addison's column does any of those things. No. And and I also ask, don't we have an obligation to make sure that if, because Addison doesn't work for us. No. This is a guest opinion piece. So he doesn't even work for us. Don't we have two things? One, don't we have an obligation for, you know, a guest opinion writer who's using our platform getting exposure through us, don't we have an obligation to make sure that their opinion is as good for their reputation as it is ours? Don't we have an obligation to make sure that this person's opinion is as strong as it can be for their case? Mm-hmm. You know, we have an obligation to make sure, hey, Addison, you're, you're not a reporter, you're not a journalist. We're going to make sure that this just functions the best it can for you. The piece reads and works the best it can for you. We're going to take anything out that we think just hurts your argument, anything that seems a little bit uh, uh, like kind of like ad, ad hominem esh, which the black pansexual it's trans just, woman. You could ring out this column, right? For ad hominems, like seriously. And it's just why was this published? And why do you think people on this campus don't like us? And you know, uh, I don't think one, one, one anybody one of our, on this campus likes CM Life. Well, one of our yeah, I probably agree. But one of our podcasters here, Stevenson, you know, he talked a lot about this piece. Uh, he hosts the Culture Report. Go listen to it. Um, and uh, he talks a lot about this piece, you know, talked about how much he disagrees with it and laid out his thoughts. And, you know, Dave heard heard what he had to say. And we're going to go have a meeting with Dave him. Dave Clark, our advisor. Yeah, Dave Clark, our advisor. He, he heard what he had to say. And uh, we're going to go have a meeting with him about how CM Life kind of engages with these communities and how we staff and how maybe our staffing isn't as inclusive as it could be and not – and the reason for that not just being like, oh, well, we just need X amount of numbers in the office to meet the, you know, the racial quota that, you know, maybe that absence creates this residue of just like tone deafness in what we publish. You know, maybe if we had people that came from backgrounds that Addison was talking about in the office, which I believe we do have some, but uh, I, I don't believe they were made aware of this because I think if they were maybe they would have vocalized something. Yeah. Maybe they would have had some criticism to it. And I feel like if you have those people in the editorial process with you to maybe give you that insight that you don't get as a white girl from Ferndale, that maybe you don't have... As a straight white male. From I mean, yeah, sure, may, maybe as a straight white guy or maybe just as as a average Joe. Maybe you're just not aware of how your words come across and that's not, you know, oh, words hurt, blah, blah, blah. You know what's funny the whole reason this got published is because we cared more about Addison's feelings than the facts because we didn't want to upset him and we thought it was it was because of free speech. No, we did this to, to make Addison feel better. Okay. We basically did this to just make ourselves feel better uh, uh, under the false fact of free speech. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we did the anti-Shapiro thing. <laughs> okay, do you have any final thoughts on this? Because I'd like to change topic. No, let's please change topic. Okay, real quick, I just want to say I think this column's bad. Um, it is. Yeah, so it's bad and not just because I disagree with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we're in the same boat there. Um, it's been a while since we recorded the last episode. It's been a week, in fact. And since then, Bernie Sanders has announced that he's running for president, as he also 
beat Camilla Harris for fundraising. Brent is now holding his coffee up to the sky. He beat Camilla Harris, who was the fundraising leader, in about three or six hours, one of those. Um, so Bernie Sanders has a massive fundraising lead. He's 76 years old right now, 76, 77. How do we think this is going to boil down? What do you think is going to happen to Bernie during these primaries? Oh, what do I think is going to happen to him? What do you him? make a prediction on how Bernie right. is going to perform? Every single person listening right now, if you start seeing all of these stories coming out about Bernie the sexist, Bernie the racist, Bernie doesn't understand the, the struggles of people of color, Bernie is anti-Semitic, Bernie uh, is, is, you know, whatever. Know where these are coming from. Know that people don't, not, not people, the establishment does not want Bernie to win. More than anything, they still don't want him to win. Mm -hmm. They so badly want someone like Warren or, I mean, their dream scenario, probably Gillibrand to win. But, Kolbachar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Bernie is going to be essentially treated like how Corbin is in, in the, the, the U. Sorry, I stutter sometimes. <laughs> in the UK. He's going to be treated that way where he's you know, constantly seen as the spoiler. He's constantly seen as the outsider. He's constantly seen as this radical figure who has just kooky ideas. But and he also has these like problematic social things that you know, he needs to work on. He's not woke enough, blah, blah, blah. If you see these things call bullshit mm -hmm. because Bernie is your only fucking shot right now. Yeah. He's your only shot to beat Trump. Anyone telling you anything otherwise is wrong. No one else, Warren, Booker, Harris, none of them have a chance in hell of even getting the nomination and especially of beating Trump. And you know it. You know it. Deep down. I'm talking to all of those Pod Save America liberals out there. You know it. You know no one else can beat Trump. And you so badly don't want to admit that Bernie is your is your your best hope for this because you just keep holding on to well we 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 can't go full into the, you know uh, full on universal healthcare we need to have you know that the public option we can't go all in into you know questioning imperialism we need to do this we can't go all in into questioning economic justice we need to stay here no the time has come people are sick they want Bernie let's get him in we need we do not get a second chance often <laughs> this we do not this is a this goal is literally this is God. Like spreading the clouds, saying, "Look, I'm gonna give you one more shot." Here's this old Jewish dude. This, here's this old Jew. I'm giving <laughs> you one more chance, people. You had a chance last time, and you picked the Christians out there who were waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's here, and his name is Bernie Sanders. Oh God, blasphemy! But I, uh, I would have, but but like on, on on a very serious note, Bernie is the best hope, and I've I've spoken critically of Bernie before. And I understand, like, I can still be critical of Bernie, but I know he is the only shot to beat Trump. And I, f I fundamentally think that he is the best candidate standing up there. And he's probably the best candidate political that we've had, I don't know, in recent memory. I'll say that. I'm not going to say he's the best politician we've ever had. That's mm -hmm. stupid. But for options for presidents, this is, pretty is, damn good one. this is an olive. This, this, is, this is gold. We need to go for this. Well, while I don't think no other democrat could have beaten trump i think there were a few that i think there are a few that could possibly beat trump i don't think they can beat trump with bernie in this race bernie is true, true. such a gravitational pull of young people i don't understand why and like just if you're elizabeth warren drop out 
that like yeah if you are a democrat just drop out and pile behind bernie yeah like, if like your goal is to beat trump drop out yeah because like in 2016 i so badly like at, at the uh the democratic like uh a confirmation of hillary clinton you know that that shot of bernie crying with his brother you know um i i, I so badly was sitting there watching i was like hillary just pledge your support to Bernie to say, look, there's too much bad press about me. I'm pledging that Bernie has the nomination. She now. put herself yeah. over the party. Yes. And now we're going to have a bunch of other people who are going to run against Bernie. And I can't wait for those debates. I can't wait for those debates because just wait. We are going to see, you know, well, Bernie, uh, how, how, I mean, you, you, you said, you know, that thing about the ghettos, you, you use the word ghetto and you're really old. I don't know if you should be president. Maybe it's time, you know, we've had enough old white guys to be president. Maybe it's time to have, you know, the young hip girl that says that you can inhale. Um, and listen no, to Tupac and do not buy it. Mm -hmm. Do not be sold this, 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 this nonsense. You know in your heart of hearts, Bernie is the man. And what? he's not perfect, but he's the guy we got to pick here. What's also interesting to me is that in 2016, Bernie was this underdog that nobody had ever heard of, swinging at the juggernaut that is Hillary Clinton and her massive fundraising dynasty. And now, and now it's flipped, right? So Bernie Sanders is the favorite going on with a massive money lead and the most support. He has, I have a Bernie Sanders shirt. I, I, I was one. given one. I you was were, given one. I was given a bumper sticker from Bernie because I bought his shirt so soon on in his election. That's nice. But there are so many people who say, yeah, I don't give a shit what the other Democrats are going to be. Bernie's my guy. Yeah. And there are moderates who say, I will never vote for a Democrat, but I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders over this asshole Donald Trump. Yeah. And that's why he could win. I also think what's super important is the vice president he picks. Is he uh, going to he, pick he, from he, the field of cannot. current Democrats? He's got to pick a young woman, right? He can't do worse than Tim Kaine. That's all no, I'm saying. No, he certainly cannot. Because uh, I was talking to some people the other day about this, and I was like, you know, if uh, if someone like Warren won the the nomination, or you know, someone of that ilk, they pick like uh, what Tim Perez or something. They Somebody very moderate. Someone very moderate. Bernie. Oh man, I don't know who he would pick. I I would imagine he'd pick a young a younger woman. I'm gonna throw Beto's name out there. I think that would be a really bad idea. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, because I the people that are really pro Bernie are very anti Beto. You think so? I didn't know that. Well, Beto's kind of centrist. Okay. And, and a lot of like how Beto rose to like political like promise and wealth is through kind of like shady private property business practices mm -hmm. and like private like renting stuff okay so who does bernie pick obviously he picks a progressive progressive that has to be over 35 so not <laughs> aoc yeah yeah that would be a nightmare if he picked her yeah um i i i have no idea but i mean as long i he would never pick like a tim kane so i i really think he's good there as he needs to pick somebody that makes geographical sense what do you mean by that he needs to pick someone from a state that will help him win i think the yeah obvious I, I, state yeah. is florida he picks someone from Florida or somebody from you're not winning Texas as a Democrat in this election. I don't think I think the most likely thing. Is, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, uh, Cruz won the race against Beto pretty slimly, you know, and now if we had Bernie against Trump in a national election, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you're right. Okay, you're, so it, it, Beto's it, the it, biggest candidate from state. Texas. Yeah. And it's a border state. I feel like you have a good pocket of people that are against the wall being built on principle there. 
I mean, you clearly have some supporters. But Who is the Democrat candidate running for governor of Florida that lost? Andrew Gillum? Yeah, Andrew Gillum. So Andrew Gillum, who lost his uh, governor's race in Florida, could be a good pick. Um, I think he's a super popular candidate in Florida. He barely lost. There was a recount. He could he could possibly give Bernie Florida. Like, we're, the, we're going way into the future, but Bernie is obviously the best candidate that the Democrats have right now. He's the most popular politician in America. And he's he's changed the party. He absolutely has. No, uh, no one else on that stage has. They've tried to never, catch up with they them. Never, no, there's never been someone to change the Democratic Party in recent history so fundamentally because the Democratic Party in response has now gone way left. It's now popular in the Democrat. I won't. Okay. So no, no, go, keep, just, okay, just I think keep, they've, keep keep the Democratic Party is fairly shifted left because of Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So we now have the free college, which is a pretty popular idea. If you're not for free college, you tend to be like, ugh, to, to Democrats. Um, we now have nationalized health care, which is on the forefront and popular amongst the American population. So Green New Deal, Green I see New getting deal. more and more uh, like legitimate talk. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, the Democratic Party now getting rid of or reducing the role of superdelegates, which is one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton had such an advantage over Bernie Sanders in the 2016 race. We've seen huge changes that Bernie Sanders has made. He's an incredibly popular candidate. I think, and this is never going to happen, but please, Democratic Party, drop out if you're not Bernie Sanders and support Bernie Sanders. Because your goal here, your one goal, if you're a Democrat running for election, should be to make sure Donald Trump is not a president for four more years. Mm -hmm. The best way to do that is for Bernie Sanders to be on the ballot with him. I don't think there's a single other Democratic candidate who's going to get moderates. Oddly enough, Bernie Sanders will be the best candidate that the Democrats have to offer in getting moderates and getting Trump supporters on the left. Mm -hmm. There is no other candidate who will be as effective as Bernie Sanders because he's insanely likable. And it's because how... Remember how I was talking the other day on the podcast about how, you know, Bernie and Trump, they both tapped into like those really relatable economic issues mm -hmm. that people have. Well, I mean, when you make your entire campaign not bent upon your identity and not bent upon appealing to that, uh, yeah, people are going to resonate with you. You know, if Trump had gone up, you know, his whole uh, campaign and and tried to, you know, act like a Republican, he would have lost. Absolutely would have lost. Cruz probably would have gotten the nomination, you know. Um but Bernie, Ugh. Bernie, and, 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 I just threw and, up in my mouth a little bit. And and what's great is like if you go back and you look at old like Burlington uh, clips of Bernie, you know, he was saying what he's saying now. Yeah, I mean, there 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 were, um, I mean, they they were they were having like uh, back when he was the mayor, they were having like serious foreign policy like uh, conversations about like U.S. imperialism in Burlington because of Bernie. He cared mm -hmm. about this stuff. I mean, you had writers like Michael Parenti and Murray Bookchin, another uh, Burlington native, uh, you know, ha having pretty positive things to say about him. He, from his get-go, he's always been a person that, you know, was principled and in one place, but he's been consistent. He has. He's on the right side of history. If you look at his voting record, he's voted against the Patriot Act. He's one of the few to vote against the Patriot Act post 9-11. Against the Iraq War. He voted against the Iraq War. I think he was another one of like a handful of people who voted against it. He's on the right side of history, and he's very he's much stuck to his ideals. Pro-gay, pro-weed, long before it was cool. Absolutely. He was pro-universal health care before it was cool. He was, he's been non-interventionist forever. I mean, if there's any president I would want in there for more of a foreign policy, especially from a Democrat, for foreign policy, it's Bernie. Because I, 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 
I don't see Bernie as a war hawk. There's nothing on his voting record, no. I think, to really suggest that he would be. So with him in there, I would just, he's the kind of person I think would dial things back in the way I'd want to. I mean, imagine fucking Bernie talking about what well, talking with this North and South Korea you know, debacle. I don't want Trump in there. I feel like Trump's just a useful idiot in the situation. Mm -hmm. I'd want Bernie in there because I feel like Bernie would have the maturity to be like, you know what? This is for North and South Korea to decide. The U.S., we don't have a role here anymore. We're just going to step back, leave you guys be. But we can't do that with Trump. We won't be able to do that with another Republican. We won't be able to do that if Trump has four more years. We probably won't be able to do that with any other Democrat because mm -hmm. they're war hawks, most of them. Yeah, and some of the issues that other Democrats have, like being war hawks, Cory Booker, for example, takes a ton of pharmaceutical money. Uh, Bernie doesn't have that like black thing on his record where we can say, that's bad. Like mm -hmm. You're taking money from them. You're beholden to them. He's for he's for people. Like, His wackiest thing is just like people trying to say he's a socialist. Yeah, that's the only like gripe against him, um, which he's not. Like from from one socialist to everyone out there, he's not. <laughs> I'm just letting you know he's not one of us. But he's 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 okay. The one of one of the things that he was kind of hit on during 2016 was that he's not super anti-gun, which Hillary Clinton Another was. Another great which thing is a fantastic attribute for the Democrat you're running against, Donald Trump. Yeah, and it's because deep down he knows. Why let the state have guns and not the people? Because Bernie knows that. Because deep down, Bernie's got those ideas mm -hmm. of people like me. He may not be like some super far left guy, whatever, but he still has that in him. He still has that burn and that fire. Like, remember those memes of Bernie running? Yeah. That's another thing. He's Bernie 75 so, years old trucking Bernie around is an so memeable. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's another thing. Like, the second Bernie announced he was running, my Facebook just got littered with, like, pro-Bernie memes. Yeah. And if you don't think that's, like, beneficial it is because mm -hmm. remember all the negative memes around hillary clinton mm -hmm. i mean having that like millennial support in the meme game oh it helps you memes helps win you elections time. there were kids 18 year old that voted for trump just for the meme absolutely of it. yes and there were people who are who voted for bernie in the primary just for the meme of it don't which don't do that do not do that but i'm <laughs> okay. saying that like it's bernie probably having idea, that but bernie having that meme support Absolutely. Like, I mean, there's a reason why he's so likable because he's a likable guy. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why Kamala Harris and people like her aren't likable because so they're not likable. That's the reason they go on uh, the only talk radio, show that'll the have only them, talk yeah. show that'll have them and say I smoked a marijuana once listening to Biggie and Tupac. That's all so right. unlikable. It makes me not want to vote for Kamala Harris. Yeah, because because all those millennials out there would be like, oh, she likes Biggie and Tupac. Hell I'm yeah. voting for her. You know, I'm going to turn off Little Pump now. Or like when uh, Hillary Clinton brought hot sauce out of her purse. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> that was my roommate. Oh that was the first God. thing that came to mind. He was like, I didn't vote for her just because she took that stupid hot sauce out. Oh, my out. God. I forgot about that. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Man. That Bernie's not going to do that. And that's no. what I love about And if Bernie. he does do it, it's because he really likes that hot sauce. If he, does, if he does any shit like that, we're calling him out and he, he better cut that shit out. <laughs> but uh, So... One of I had um, uh, somebody who is a lobbyist text me and ask me when Bernie announced his presidency. Let me pull up this actual text chain because I made some bold predictions. A lobbyist text you. A lobbyist. Lobbyist for what? Um, I don't want to. Okay. Give away any more information. <laughs> Damn. Um, but he said, "Who's the Dem front runner of today?" And I said, "Bernie," because of the fundraising. Um, he also asked, "Who has the best shot at the electoral map?" I said, "Kolbachar," because I think she's going to mid win the midwest um and then he said who's the sleeper candidate i said sherrod brown 
Then finally he asked, any chance for Joe Biden? And I said, no, I don't think Joe Biden will even run, which is a popular theory among moderates right now. Joe Biden said that he wished he would have ran in 2016. I think he would have behaved better than Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, I don't think he should run in this race, and I don't think he would do very good in this race. There's a lot of moderates that would muddy him up. And his, if Joe Biden did enter, I think it would be him versus Bernie Sanders. And I think either the Democratic Party pulls another superdelegate win for Joe Biden or Bernie. Like, I, I don't see how any other candidate could beat Bernie Sanders in this primary. I'm going to use an argument I think that they'll understand. Biden would be a spoiler for Bernie. Good, yeah. So he shouldn't run. Okay. That's it. Joe Biden, if you're listening, you shouldn't run because you'd be a spoiler. Okay, thank you guys for listening. This has been In Together. The case was this. Now worry about a thing.